crack that coconut. Who wants to open up? Welcome to Crack That Coconut, the podcast that is cracking open the stigma around mental health. I'm your host, Juliette Kirby, and over this series, I'll be joined by guests who open up about their own mental health experiences and how they have supported people in need. By sharing our stories, we hope to crack open more conversations about mental health. Today I will be joined by my friend Bella Hookwe. Bella talks about her experience working within corporate wellness and shares her own mental health challenges which stemmed from a difficult relationship with food. It was so interesting to hear Bella's perspective from the side of a corporate wellness provider after trying myself to get many mental health and wellness initiatives over the line in the corporate world. To kick off, I'll let Bella introduce herself and tell us about how she ended up in a career in wellness. bit about myself was working in corporate wellness and that was actually my first I've always always been interested in like health and wellness that's always been like a passion of mine was so I was working in a yoga and Pilates studio for like a year as an operations manager and then I shifted into corporate wellness because I wanted to have a little bit more structure I also wanted to understand the corporate whole side of things because I just I wanted I wanted actually a nine-to-five Monday to Friday job Mm-hmm. And so I did that for about a year and a half. And I actually, I, I, I absolutely loved it. I just knew it wasn't for me. I really wanted, I really wanted to teach. And I was practicing a lot of Pilates and I was enjoying it so much. And I knew that that was kind of my vocation. And I love working for myself. So yeah, I just started teaching. So I've been teaching for about a year and a half now. And also picked up studying nutrition on the side. Because I did a, I'm like a certified health coach but I kind of realized that that doesn't really have much credibility here in Sydney. It does in America because they don't have a very good healthcare system. Mm. Um, but here, you know, and I just kind of noticed I wanted to know a little bit more about the science behind it and how it works. So mm. went on to doing that. And so I'm doing that full time now because of the pandemic, which has been great. <laughs> Not the pandemic, but the um so being able to pick up it full time and just get really like stuck into all the content. It's been really interesting. I think that's so great that, you know, you had this interest in health and nutrition for a while and kind of have gone with that. And like, that's kind of helped you um, find roles and, and a career that, that suits you or that, you, that you're passionate about. I'd love to like, before we get into sort of what you're doing now, just talk more about the corporate wellness and how did you find the uptake of businesses or the selling process of getting mental health and mindfulness practices into these into these corporate cultures yeah so what was really interesting is if other companies were doing a wellness kind of solution then other companies would follow but it always had to be that one person to start the trend otherwise it just it wouldn't happen and what was really interesting is that like not only is it very beneficial for the employer but okay I could be this statistic could be really rough but 
what I remember when we would like go around to try and sell our programs to companies is it was something like $1 invested in a corporate health program. There's $2.30 return of investment. So, I mean, yeah, you would have to double check, fact check me on that. But <laughs> that's kind of what I remember in terms of return of investment and retention and productivity and all of those things. So it's not only beneficial for the employer because their health and well-being is being supported, but like it's also really beneficial for the company. And so it's like in my head, it was like this really obvious thing. Why wouldn't you invest in this? We did this thing at the the beginning of every um, the beginning of every every time we would start a program somewhere, we'd always do this thing called an employee's needs test, which most corporate wellness programs do. And basically, you sell send out like a health questionnaire to all of the the team and gain a little bit more insight into like what their mental health and well being is at the moment and what the company really needs. And obviously it would, it would really, it would really vary depending on the type of industry and the culture of the place and everything. But there was always this general trend of high stress and poor management Mm -hmm. um, of time. And as a result, domino effect of poor lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. Like that was, it was always that it was always stress. And then not being able to manage your time as a result and poor lifestyle choices. Mm. But it always started with with the stress and stress can always be so easily managed, not easily, but it can definitely be managed through like wellness programs. Yeah, I think it's also one one thing I found was I was trying to implement, you know, wellness solutions uh, at the consulting firm I was at. And I think there's one thing to have a program and I think that's really necessary, but in order to create proper cultural change or um, actually improve employee morale and mental health and, and just physical well-being as well, you kind of need buy-in from, from the leadership and, and management. And I think, you know, when you talk about stress being one of the main causes of poor mental health and well-being in, in the workplace, stress can come from the the tone that's set from from the leadership 100 percent, and like honestly couldn't agree more because and same with and same with even changing workplace culture or changing you know like the whole are you okay movement and starting to make that a comfortable thing for people to start communicating in the workplace it was really noticeable just working on the out fronts of being in wellness services that the influence from CEOs or managers or anything like that, uh, anyone who was in a higher position was so incredibly influential on, it kind of shaped the whole culture of the place. Mm. So from you saying that on the inside, it was kind of what I was observing on the outside as well, that it's really important for people in management or higher positions to be the ones to, to, to be enacting that change and to actually create a space where communication is okay, where, you know, managing your stress is something that they're doing and they're setting an example for the rest of the company kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. And I think sort of, you know, as you said, it's sort of this domino effect. If one company starts doing it, everyone, that's what sort of created this kind of wellness movement, I would say, within Mm. the workforce. I think there's more and more 
companies offering programs or like Headspace, which do mindfulness and, and now they're integrating with mental health services for, for corporates as well. Do you think though, how do I articulate this? As some, do some companies treat wellness or investing in wellness as, as a kind of ticker box exercise? Like, do you think all, all companies who kind of, yeah, who signed up to your programs were making, yeah, making the efforts to, to ensure that kind of they got the, the return of investment and actually helped their employees with, with the programs that they were implementing? Yeah, I definitely think it was 50-50. Like there were a lot of companies that would do the bare minimum in terms of what kind of wellness programs they were investing in, or they were just trying to match the industry average. And then you had these other companies that were like so invested in their employees, like genuinely really wanted the best and were more concerned about participation rates than the level of productivity in the workplace. So yeah and again that just comes back to what we were saying before it's all about culture Mm. like it starts from culture and it starts from inside like you know you can outsource all of these programs and they're amazing and they're they're definitely have a huge impact but inside what happens how how that um, company and how the leaders in the in the business try to implement that and make change in the workplace is like where the real change happens because people start, you know, really believing it if the managers and everybody else who's implementing the program believe it too. Yeah. You know, and want to genuinely invest in that person's health. Yeah, 100%. And so mm. what do you think, like, just from, yeah, your experience working within a corporate wellness uh, program provider, uh, if you're an individual who's junior to mid-level in your workplace, how do you kind of approach that conversation and and get your business to start investing in these programs that yeah that you know no doubt would be extremely beneficial for for most of the employees yeah I guess it was always a really big struggle to kind of get people on board but that employees needs test was everything because hmm. it was like it was almost guaranteed we knew that most people would be stressed and have poor management with time because the rates, especially in the corporate industry, are so shockingly high. Like people are really, really, they're burnt out. Mm. That's quite common, o- like overworked and not like no one, you know, I think that this is due to the pandemic. There's more things like the well, like well-being days mm. and more time allowed for people to actually just manage their own mental health. But that employee's needs test would come back and that would just gain so much insight into like, you know, that would just be our selling point because it would just be like, it's not even selling points. It's like, look, all your employees, are most of them are stressed, mm. you know, and when you're stressed, you can't manage your time very well. I don't really even believe that we are, we don't have enough time. I think people are just poor with time because there is so much stress and anxiety and so much pressure especially in a corporate mm. like industry in a corporate space. So it's just like, yeah, I think once the company would understand that there was a lot of employees that just weren't happy and weren't managing their time effectively, they knew that there was a need to kind of change that, you know, not only for their employees' well-being, but also for their productivity and return of investment and all of those kind of things. Mm. 
Yeah, that's so true. No, it's a really good, good point. And I think helpful for people, especially now with the pandemic and, and working remotely, there's just the whole dynamic of um, how people engage with their employers has, has changed quite a lot. And I think it's, yeah, probably the right time or it's just going to ignite this kind of movement to make or to enable employees to be a bit more demanding of some extra support or programs or better skills to manage their work life and work life isn't usually the right word but just yeah integrate work with their life a bit better I'd be really interesting just it'd be really interesting to see the statistics at the moment because I remember we would manage a lot of absenteeism Mm. which is what they would use a lot to figure out what what was really needed but presenteeism Mm. is really how genuinely present you are at your workplace and how much you are really investing in in work like your work at that you're focusing on that task at hand and I think during the pandemic it would be interesting to see the level of presenteeism because I remember a lot of industry research that we would do we'd often find presenteeism was very low even though people were at work every day they weren't really being their most productive selves or managing just even one task at a time because of stress Mm -hmm. (laughs) it always came back to stress and I'm sure a lot of other things like mental health is complex yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's super interesting to just get your insights from from the other side of the table. Because uh, yeah. yeah, I've been on the side trying to trying to uh, instigate that and implement it in my own workplace. But just changing tact a bit. Uh, mental health and wellbeing is obviously something that you're quite passionate about, and sort of mm. led to, to take take on that role. And and now, um, yeah, sort of as driving your new career as a um, Pilates instructor, but Wanted to hear more about your own mental health journey, if you're open to, to sharing some of the sort of pivotal pivotal moments that may have, yeah, helped you uh, gain better self-awareness and understanding um, and also help you thrive more in, in what you like to do with your day-to-day life. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm, it's an incredibly long story about my whole journey. I'll try and like shorten it. <laughs> I would say probably about two or three years ago, I didn't really suffer any mental health issues. I didn't even, I actually was a bit, I didn't even really know what anxiety was. I was like, how can you be stressed out about these little things? Like that doesn't, that doesn't make any, any sense to me. And then about two or maybe three years ago now, um, I was traveling with my partner and I got salmonella and we were sick for like 10 days. And after that, we decided to live in Amsterdam for about eight or nine months. And I, we were, we were on exchange. So I was on one part of the city. He was on the other side. And after I'd actually gotten salmonella, I got these really, I got terrible gut issues. Like literally every single thing I would eat would trigger it. Like it was just, and everything I would try just like wouldn't help. And so I was in a country that I didn't really know anyone still still trying to figure out everything still trying to settle in on top of the fact that I just would have days where I'd wake up and I'd just be in so much pain I just I couldn't I didn't know what it is and I'd go I went to so many like medical health professionals and stuff obviously I'm in a foreign country but 
none of them could figure it out. Like it wasn't a parasite. It wasn't anything. It was probably just like post traumatic kind of stress from your gut, like from going through that, that kind of, you know, that sickness because it was 10 days of full on being sick. And then I guess that's kind of when I started developing a really bad relationship to food. I started being like, well, I can't really eat meals with everybody else because everything is just going to trigger me and I can only really eat low FODMAP foods. So I would start, especially when we were meeting new friends, I'd start eating on my own and then I would meet up with everybody after dinner. And funnily enough, like throughout my whole journey with learning about this relationship to food, I realized how important it was actually to be eating with other people because like when you eat with other people it actually causes your cortisol levels to drop and allows your body to resume that parasympathetic function that rest and digest so it allows your body to actually be relaxed and more content and that helps with your digestion and when you eat on your own, it's it's a, actually a lot more common for your cortisol levels to be a lot higher. You might even be in that fight or flight mode and you might be eating a lot more faster. So like there's so many studies, which more and more I learn about that actually contribute to like stress and chronic disease, just eat, literally just the whole act of eating on your own. Like that's it's a reason why it was a ritual ceremonial thing to like share food with others. And yeah, so obviously I learned that later. So yeah, that's when I started developing a lot of anxiety, anxiety to eat with others and just anxiety in general. And that's been a two year journey of just dealing with that and dealing with my mental health. And I can tell you, I had days where I didn't get out of bed because I felt so anxious and I felt so scared of food and I lost like six or seven kilos I was never, I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder, but I would definitely say that I probably had something similar in that sense and really bad anxiety. And when I got home, I was diagnosed with anxiety and I still definitely have that today, but I'm managing it so much more and just starting Pilates and learning how to move mindfully was like the most incredible tool for me to to manage that mental health and from that I think I've realized how much I want to help other people feel the same because so many people don't even really know what mindfulness is and how incredibly impactful it can be to your life because that honestly saved me from being so anxious and depressed not wanting to get out of bed, feeling like I had to control everything. And if I couldn't control something, then I'd rather just be inside on my own in a room Mm -hmm. than talk to anyone or deal with anything outside of that. So yeah, I would say in summary, that's probably why I've kind of gone on this journey. Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that. And obviously I know some, some snippets of it, but not uh, sort of the full story yeah I just think that's amazing sort of the the work that you've put in and and sort of to see what you're doing now and you know with your I always love seeing your <laughs> posts of like appreciating that your body and what it does for you and I think you know I share a similar experience with you know all my life I didn't know what anxiety was like I honestly didn't really think that it was um I just couldn't understand how that felt and then it was 
also when I started having a poor relationship with food that the anxiety kind of rose up I don't know it's and I think it's kind of like having a a sense of control over something and and then also um you know not feeling like because you're constantly thinking about your meals and your social activities and and it creates that hyper tension in your body which induces anxiety because it's just that really high high stress level and yeah I think it's it's so interesting that now a couple of people that I've spoken to have had a very similar experience in in that's how it's sort of come about and I think though it's really great that it's enabled you to kind of reshape your relationship with food now and and also with doing Pilates yeah I think it's really interesting that you say that because like I you know I at the beginning I found it really hard to share this story and then just like you saying this now it's like the more people I've shared this story with I've noticed that there are particularly women not excluding men at all but Mm -hmm. particularly women it's really common to have this really bad negative health this relationship to food that can cause a lot of mental health issues like Mm -hmm. depression and anxiety and it's really nice another reason which is really great to just talk about this because you realize you're just not alone like there are so many people that experience bad relationships to food food because of the media and because of so many things but it's just really great to share that and know that you know it's not shouldn't be this isolating thing it should be spoken about yeah and I think it's you know what you said you were never diagnosed with an eating disorder like I think you know there's it's not a black and white kind of diagnosis I think there's like a full spectrum and you know like I know so many people who don't have a like a disorder or aren't that bad but like they definitely don't have a good relationship with food and that Mm. you know that can stick with you for a really long time and you know even now like I have a much better relationship with food but there are still moments where you know I don't yeah I think about it I think about it probably too much or or I you know feel self-conscious if I like (laughs) put on some old jeans that used to fit and then they don't anymore and so you have those moments but it's um yeah I mean it's actually quite it's quite scary that it can have this really lasting mental health effect that you know it's, it's just not really spoken about in our social circles it's really under the radar like no one speaks about it no one really mentions it yet I I actually haven't I really haven't struggled I really haven't come across one woman who doesn't experience some sort of bad relationship to food in some sort of way like most most women I know have something like even if it's minor or if it's huge but something that kind of impacts the way that they relate to food um and yeah I completely agree with you I have I have an amazing relationship with food now but if I'm feeling really anxious one day those negative thought patterns definitely arise again and I start to feel more concerned about what I'm eating that day Mm. so yeah it's a really hard one to and talking is everything Mm. and also I think meditation can be really helpful yeah and I was going to say like 
Pilates like for you do you find that Mm. just being more connected with your body and and that's also through meditation right like drawing attention to how you feel just yeah in your body and that can be through movement or through stillness it's like a really powerful way to get better self-awareness and like perspective I find because I think when you're Mm. or when I felt in that like hyper anxious state when I was having issues with eating like you could I couldn't bring myself back to reality yeah 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 that's so because I mean, especially like I'm a very go, 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 love to do 50 million things at the same time kind of person. And so beginning when I originally started trying to do meditation was really challenging. So doing it through Pilates, I think there's this whole misconception around like meditation as well, that it has to be sitting still in silence because really, yeah, like moving your body and just focusing on one thing can really be a form of meditation. Like you're honing in on your body and just that present moment and just what you're doing in that time. And exactly what you said, you can gain so much more perspective on things because you can understand that it's just an emotion and that you have, you have the choice you're responding to a react, like a situation and you actually have the choice and the control to change that. And Mm -hmm through movement or meditation or whatever sort of way you want to do it, focusing on the present moment or just honing in on just one thing can help you gain perspective on that, make you realize that this is an emotion or a feeling and that's dynamic. That's not permanent. And I don't own that. And I can let it go if I choose to. So true. And something actually that just reminds me something that my kinesiologist always talks about is that your thoughts like can create your your emotions and feelings and so if you think quite negatively or about yourself or of certain things then you start feeling like it's almost just all subconscious that like you start to feel bad about yourself because you've thought like oh I you know ate too much or I don't look good in this or and that can be quite uh it just means that you're understanding your thoughts or being more kind to yourself and yeah being aware of how things how you think about things can really also shape your your emotions and feelings in reaction to that yeah absolutely you definitely hold I I'm a strong believer that you hold a lot of energy that you're negative if you have negative energy you hold that in your body and in, in, a, in a physical and actual like scientific sense, you genuinely do. If you feel negative and you feel sad, you're m- most likely going to be tired and your whole body is going to respond to however you're thinking. Mm, yeah, that's so true. And so what are you finding in sort of studying nutrition now and, and doing this work with meditation and movement? Like, are you seeing sort of interconnectivity and does it enable you having that knowledge of sort of what you put in and how your body kind of reacts to to the external world and and internal absolutely like honestly the more I learn it's but for me my my relationship to my food was a very emotional thing so I know that stress was actually a huge proponent into what has caused my gut to inflame a lot And I actually do, I do have bacterial overgrowth. So that's something I'm trying to manage. 
but emotionally that puts so much more of a toll on my gut and learning how to manage that has really, really helped. Obviously, the more I learn on the nutrition side of things, that's been really helpful to learn how to manage it in a very like physical sense. But coming back to meditation, you can acknowledge how much you can, if you have the ability, you have the choice to respond to a situation and you know that, that, that you have the ability to actually do that, you aren't an emotion. You don't control that emotion. Mm. I mean, you do control emotion, sorry. You aren't just encompassing that emotion, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, if you have the ability to reshape your mindset, your body will follow. So just like my gut, my gut symptoms relieve so much more when I have the ability to change how I choose to respond to a situation. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. So like you're through doing more meditation, through listening to your body, through movement, you found that, you know, obviously you're managing some of the bacterial issues in your gut, but you're, gut issues have alleviated somewhat because of your the way that you yeah treating your your mental and physical well-being yeah and it just makes you realize how powerful the mind is and having the ability to be aware that even being happy or sad about an experience is just like a separable component of the experience itself and that you don't need to always be taken in by it like you don't need to always encompass that it can be a separate thing that you can change has been vital I reckon in changing my body and I think that's just transferable to anything in life you know like my gut is my issue but everyone encompasses pain in different ways and it's just how we choose to respond or react to it that really makes the change yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think what often happens is that your body will start like screaming for help or for attention by inflaming some part or giving you, mm. you know, or stopping some some regular function. And it's often a result of something mental like is going on behind the scenes and quite often that's stress. And I think it's, you know, as you said, for you, it was your gut, for me, I just didn't have a period for like two years and that is what and it's some and it's often the like the physical symptom that we all try to treat because that's what we can see the loudest and understand but Mm. it's not your initial reaction when something goes wrong to think oh I'll like go see a therapist or you know go try and go see a kinesiologist or someone who can help me you know through this mentally and I think it's it's interesting because you know now that I'm more aware that my physical body is trying to tell me something when when things don't feel right I'm a bit better at being able to and this is what you know I think you're touching on and I know you're a big big fan of the mindfulness movement but Mm -hmm. mindfulness is about paying attention um, to your surroundings how you feel your reactions your body and uh, yeah and using your mind to sort of change how you perceive things and and react and I think you know mindfulness a lot of people think is just yeah clearing their mind or you know staying still or meditating and I think it's just it's so much more than that 
Yeah, hundred. Yeah, like you, you summed it up very well. It's, it is so much more than that, and it doesn't have to start. You know, if you aren't, if you're really put off by the idea of meditating, it doesn't have to start by, yeah, sitting down in a silent room, cross-legged, not doing anything. It can be doing it through movement like Pilates or even just going for a walk and not trying not to be stimulated by, you know, your phone or anything, just genuinely going for a walk and just looking around you and just taking in your surroundings and just observing. That's meditation. You're just allowing yourself time to just be with yourself, you know, and then that's when you can start acknowledging how your body might be feeling and how your body might be reacting towards things and how you're actually feeling because it's easy to ignore it especially like in our day-to-day lives and it's so everything's so busy everyone's so busy all the time yeah no that's yeah. so true and I try and do that now like go for a walk around the block and just not listen to anything because mm. I think you know I do miss the days when you just you didn't have a phone or, or something that was always trying to pull your attention. And it's, it's yeah. actually quite hard, you know, even, you know, I do try not to look at it a lot, but like sometimes it gets the better of me and it, and it does seem to be when I'm stressed or distracted or super busy that I, you know, can forget to, to take a moment for myself. But yeah, I think that's sort of also partly why, uh, you know, it's becoming more and more important that we do take those moments to take a walk around the block and reconnect with yourself because that just used to be a part of our day we didn't have to plan for it used to just be a natural day right yeah and now there's a lot of um which I'm noticing from a lot of friends and including myself a lot of guilt that's associated with people feeling like they can't allow themselves a couple of minutes just to look after themselves and that's why I think kind of need to reshape that because Another way to look at it is, you know, by you allowing yourself time for you, you can be a better person for others, you know? And if you look at it in that way, then it's like, well, I mean, everybody needs it. It's actually critical that you have that time to yourself so you can be the better at whatever you want to do. So, yeah, I feel like trying to reshape that whole guiltness is really important as well. Mm. Yeah, and I think that sort of brought us almost full circle to like the importance of corporates kind of <laughs> investing in in this because it's, you know, that's where people spend majority of their time during, you know, during the week. And I think if, yeah, if there was more of a culture, and I think it is, it's slowly changing, but people need to also be supported in, in taking a break and, um, yeah, prioritising. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. And also just the whole general fact that like generally how humans work, like if you're going to show that you care, then you're going to get that same sort of respect backwards. So it's like, you know, in a, in a workplace, if that employee, as simple as if that employer knows that they're going to be supported mentally, they're probably going to give that company the same sort of respect back. Mm. So, you know, it really is that two-way relationship that's like, incredibly important for both of them you know it's not one wins one like it actually it's really a win-win situation yeah mm. that's so true and I think just bringing it back to what you're saying like you by looking after yourself you could be you know more helpful to others I think that also comes down to your like close 
relationships and your family and friends because I've noticed that as lot as well as the more time I carve out to look after me when I'm you know feeling stressed or anxious or whatever it is the better I'm able to reconnect with people after that rather than kind of trying to keep it under the radar or not you know or under the hood and and it kind of coming out in different ways or in my lack of excitement or engagement when when you're catching up with people yeah that's so I've been thinking about that a lot at the moment the how how much time to yourself allows you to be so much more empathetic Mm. like towards others and less critical of yourself and others as well like 100% because especially at the moment during this pandemic it's really easy just to shy away and just stay at home and not see anyone and just become a little hermit but even just giving yourself a couple minutes to yourself every day allows you to feel like just feel more love for yourself and then you can feel more love towards others as well and it makes you want to connect you know like instead of just resorting back to that sort of lonely and that that really cyclical thing I think the Mm -hmm. hardest thing is breaking that yeah that's so true and it doesn't happen overnight I think it's no. a, it's a, and it takes a lot of willpower yeah no I think that's really good advice though um and I'm just conscious we are um a little bit over time and I think yeah you really left some great sort of tips there at the end just about how people can be more mindful and, and look after their their mental health before we wrap up, though, I'd love to get a book recommendation from you. Anything you've read recently? Oh, my God. I've been <laughs> I'm reading quite a lot at the moment. Any Ordinary Day by Lee Sales. It's a great book about individuals who have gone through serious trauma in their lives and how they choose to approach life after that. Oh, it's really good. I'm loving things. Yes, thank you. I will, uh... Are you getting them after every podcast? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's always good to get recommendations from people. They're always so much better. Yeah. Than just true. trying to source them yourself. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bella. I'm glad oh. that we can have this conversation so more people can have this conversation. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. No, I appreciate you being so open. And it was also just super... Yeah, so it'd be interesting to hear your perspective, the other side of the corporate wellness programs. If this conversation has inspired you to throw out your average chit-chat and start having real conversations with your friends and family, then we have the perfect game for you. The Crack That Coconut card game is now available for purchase on our website. Follow the link in the show notes to go to crackthatcoconut.com and make your purchase. As promised, the first 50 orders will receive a free coconut goodie along with their purchase. Get ready to crack that coconut and open up.